You do. I'm working on that for you. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. Good. I need a new intro. Now that I have a koozie, life is good. <laughs> Irene, do you have a koozie? Uh, not yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, no, actually, these are really expensive koozies. These are like the Tiffany of koozies. <laughs> all right, everybody, welcome to the Hey Frage podcast. I'm Sarah Frazier, and so, first of all, I'm excited on many, many levels today. One, because my guest co-host, Peter Abrams, is here. And Peter knows how to do it in style. Well, let's see. We have 40 minutes to prove that you're right. Well, first of all, we're at the St. Regis Hotel, which I think I've only ever been into the lobby. I have never been in here in the restaurant. And we're in this adorable little, like, gorgeous nook with a chandelier, which is so me. I need the chandelier. So I do have a question. We're here in this little nook. You have the curtains drawn. Mm -hmm. We have mirrors on the ceiling. You said podcasts, (laughs) and I'm thinking... All right. This is is what a podcast is. When you're an old man, I didn't know what a podcast was. Now I know. A little little forward, but I'm I'm okay. This is the best podcast space. You know, I'm sure you've been following my career for a while. We've podcasted at fairs. Yes. Um, (laughs) Listen, I've been following you. Remember, you used to kick me out of your studio. Oh, that's right. Well, Peter Abrams is the publisher of DC Modern Luxury Magazine. One of the most, I mean, I would say just high-end, gorgeous, beautiful, established magazines in the DC area. Thank you. I like to think so. How many years, by the way, has um, Modern Luxury been in business? So Modern Luxury, it's a company. We have magazines in 18 markets. I'll bore you with a few numbers. Um, (laughs) uh, And we started about 27 years ago. We launched here in 2005. September. Oh, okay. So 2005 in yep. September. So we're starting our 12th year. Oh my God. I love it. Well, you have been kind enough to co-host today and for many, many reasons. First, we're going to talk some pop culture. Yes. But we're also, I really love your advice for women, for millennials, and basically for entrepreneurs. Okay. Well, let's see how your audience feels about my <laughs> advice. Well, you know what? Here's what I would say. My audience is always open and super receptive. Okay. And I would say today is one of those days you are going to want to lay this episode back and really take Peter's advice because you are incredibly generous with your time, your advice, and you have amazing experience. I mean, you've worked with some of DC's most elite, high-end, influential. So what you say carries a lot of weight. Well, I'm, I think that, um, you know, it's an interesting time in D.C. and I think an interesting time in um, in the workplace, in the work lifespan for millennials. So uh, quite frankly, our business is built on the backs of millennials. We hire more millennials than you any do? other. We do. So, And it's a disproportionate number of women. So I work in our team. Um, I'm one of two men. And across the company, we have, I don't know, probably a workforce of 70 percent women, um, which is, I, I think, a little bit of flip from most of the workforce. So I'm a minority. Um, but yeah, I mean, we I have hired, fired, mentored, promoted tons of millennials. So I want to ask you about the mentoring word. Yeah, because I was just recently asked to mentor someone and I was like, oh, do you like do you like the mentor word? So it, well, I, I like to be um, at the forefront of someone's career who really cares. Mm-hmm. Mentoring, I, there's so much responsibility with that. It's it, it, There's a weightiness to that I that I don't know if it's appropriate. Um, and it's interesting because I, I will never, if someone says, will you mentor someone? I generally say no. I've just I, been asked and I wondered what to say. So yeah. I, I just say no. 
And you have, we're going to talk a little bit later, but we have something where no is a great word to say every once in a while. If someone comes to me, that's a different story. If they come to me and say, I need some help, or how did you get to where you are? Are you okay if I call you every once in a while? Can I send you an email? And I, I leave it on them. It's not on me. I'm not going to be active, but I will be responsive if they engage with me, but I'm not going to chase them down. Mentoring or helping someone grow should be, should be their responsibility. You know, it's not like when you put a seed in the ground, you like peel away the edges and drip, you know, you water it and it's got to do its own thing. And it's I feel so the same true. way with uh, with helping people get better in a million different ways. Oh, um, it's so true. And I was lucky. I had great people in my lives, like my bosses. And I've been, by the way, if I look at my career span until the last six years, I have always either had female bosses or female owners. Really? And amazing women. Um, um, unbelievable. Oh so, my God, Peter, I love this. So I feel very fortunate. As a girl boss, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get into all that, okay. but there's some pop culture stories that I want you to weigh in on. Um, first like, of all- like I'm an expert on <laughs> pop culture. I'm an old man. Well, Sorry, that's- guys. Actually, you might be the oldest co-host I've ever had. Thank you for that. <laughs> I just realized that. This is awesome. Oh, my God. I just okay. saw Irene just moved my walker, so we're, we're good. <laughs> Irene, get the oxygen. to Get his oxygen That's just right. in case. Um, all right, so there's a couple topics coming up I want to talk about. First of all, did you see the most annoying emails that coworkers send to each other in the office? In my inbox or in the article we talked about? In the article we talked about. I did. Okay, I did. we'll get to that. Yep. Then I want to know your advice, because you have you have two sons, right? Two sons, 14 two sons. and 16. Awesome kids. Are they dating yet, by the way? No. Do they no, want to be dating? No girlfriends. No girlfriends. Okay. And dating is different now. I mean, dating, you used to actually date. Yeah, true. Now you text someone until you start kissing, and then I guess it's dating. <laughs> Which I don't really it get. It goes from the texting it to the It goes right from texting to kissing. There is no in-between. Well, I have a girlfriend. Okay, she's been in a long-term relationship. They're not married, but they've been together for eight years. Uh-huh. And her Who's parents, dragging the weight? Who's dragging the feet? Um, I think she's dragging the feet more. Okay. Right. But here's the strange situa- situation, right? So my girlfriend's parents have been married for years and years. They have a wonderful relationship. But her boyfriend has been calling her parents to kind of counsel him with the troubles in their relationship. That is fucking creepy. Is that fucking creepy? Oh, by the way, I got to play our disclaimer. Is Do you think it is? Like, I just wondered if, if parents have ever been involved in... You know, relationships. Like, is it is it strange or is it not strange to have your parents kind of counsel you? That is strange. For a relationship. I, I I don't get that. Wait, the, the, this is a statement intended to specify or deal yes. with the scope of rights and obligations that may be exercised and enforced by parties in a legally recognized relationship. Wait, what? This is I'm your thinking. Which that takes me a while. Because, you know, here on the podcast, I get a ton of advice. You know, you can always email me at Sarah with an H at HeyFrage.com. So I get amazing advice questions. But my girlfriend said this. Yeah, my my significant other is calling my parents like once a week. And he will. And like my parents won't tell me what they talk about. And he won't really tell me what they talk about. But they're kind of talking about our relationship and some things that he's going through. So. So no wonder she's dragging her feet. I, I would drag my feet right out the door and find my apartment on my own. Uh, so I want to get to those okay. stories and then all your great career advice. Okay. Um, all right. So, you know, I posted this story on my social media recently about the the situation in Sweden where the, this couple was having sex and completely consensual sex. Yes. Right. But then this guy ends up taking off the condom midway through sex, doesn't tell her and now has been convicted of rape. Twelve years. Twelve, 12? 12 months. Twelve months. Suspended sentence. It's weird. 
Like, you either convict someone or not. But right, go be, ahead, I'm because sorry. Because it is strange in Sweden, right? And the way Switzerland, yeah. It, it's Switzerland. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. And the way I read the story is, like, he can completely appeal it. Yeah. Right? And any, like, so, of course, he's going to appeal. Yeah. But this is sort of precedent that it's never happened before. And when I read this, I had to pause and think, I'm like, I don't know. Is that rape? It's just so, it's like... So I thought I, I thought about it. Um, it's horrible, first of all. I mean, I think, you know, especially with, I mean, not just the disease, but just everything that goes along with it. But remember, this is where social media is a problem. They found each other on Tinder. Yes, it's true. They which did. is not great. Right. So she swiped one way or the other. But um, And, you know, I, I think that they had sex on the second date. Yep. And... That's probably, you know, the whole thing wasn't smart. I don't know that it's rape as much as it is. I was trying to think in America, you would never get convicted for rape. And by the way, it was a wimpy sentence. It was 12 months suspended that he can appeal. So so it wasn't even a real sentence. Exactly. Throw the guy in jail or not. In America, though, I I think it's battery. I mean, I I do think that it's, there's something wrong about it. And I thought about it. I'm like, that would, like, if, if I had a daughter or if I had a son who did that, I would expect some kind of penalty. It didn't say whether anything happened to her if she got pregnant, if she got any diseases. Right. But I do think that it's incumbent upon the government to set some precedent where this is not okay. It's just not. I know. No, I totally agree with you, right? Because obviously it's a major violation of trust and, and everything that's happening. Yeah. But I'm like, is that rape? I, to See, me, it wasn't see, rape. I, exa- I agree. See, I don't but it was horribly rape, wrong. But I do think you were... Did you use the word assault, or it's more like... It's more... So, as I... Assault and battery. Assault is the threat. Battery is the action. That's how I understand it. I, mm. I'm not a cop. I don't even play one anywhere. Um, Are you an attorney? Yeah, I'm not even an attorney. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but I would say that it, there is something wrong with it, and it is battery. I mean, it is doing something that's horribly damning to someone. But I don't, I don't know that it raises to the level. I agree. Of rape. It was an incredible story when I read it. I'm like, damn, that really makes you think. But if she kicked him in the balls or castrated him, or <laughs> yes. that wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. Like I think yeah. he would be deserving. Yeah, please. We should Just... go back to you know the 1700s, the witch hunt. Like, you do that, you lose a body part. Yeah, exactly. Just a cut really it off. Really useful. Yeah, just cut it off. Cut that dick off. Um, I, couple, I threw a couple stories in here that I didn't tell you about because they were they just came out. But did you see the guy in Virginia who ended up paying his DMV bill with 300,000 uh, pennies? I did not. Oh, that just came out this morning. Uh, it's hysterical. And? So, essentially, he pays $3,000 in fees, and he's been going back and forth. Do you know where Lebanon, Virginia is? I do, actually. You do? Where I is do. it? I, it's, I, well, I should say I don't know exactly, but I've heard of it. We even have a subscriber there. Really? Mm-hmm. In, Le- in Lebanon, Virginia. We I have love a- it. <laughs> well, he went back and forth, by the way, with the DMV several times to pay tickets. Yeah. And it, what would happen is, like, lots of times when you call the DMV, you get put on hold and you get transferred to somebody else, and then he'd leave a message. Well, and- isn't that part and parcel what the DMV does? I mean, I think it's built into their culture. Even if they're completely... What, to delay you? Just to put you on hold. <laughs> it's like they have a whole fleet of people just hitting the fucking hold button. <laughs> yeah, just- they do it when you're there, when you're on the phone. It doesn't really matter. You could pay by credit card to their website, and it still says processing. It's just part of what Old. they do. Yeah. Hold. Anyway, he got so fed up, he said, fuck it. And, of course, they kept tacking on um, fees late and, fees yeah. and everything. So $3,000, and several a couple years later, he has to pay it. So he decides to send them pennies. And delivers it in wheelbarrows full of 300,000 pennies. I'm sure the staff was thrilled to count it. <laughs> that's that's going to be someone's <laughs> job for the next four years, is to, is to count those pennies. They're like, sorry. Penny yeah, I'm now. sorry. We, we have to put you on hold. We're counting pennies. Have you ever been so angry with someone you wanted to send change? Because I actually have. 
Uh, no. I came close to doing did. it one time. Yeah. I have other anger issues, but it usually doesn't relate to giving someone money. <laughs> and it's awful. This was back in high school, and it was I. We ended up like throwing all this fish guts and all these like political signs on this person's lawn. I know it was really bad. I was I was a different person than Peter. Huh. But anyway, <laughs> what's the statute of limitations on fish guts on signs? Because <laughs> well, this woman was furious. next week. I'll be doing this show alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was furious. She had she alleged that she had to have somebody come out to her house and. And it was like the reason we fish got her lawn was so awful. Like it was a woman, her two daughters went to high school with me and they had a foreign exchange student, Eric, that we loved, but they would make Eric do all these chores so huh. he couldn't come hang out with us. So to get so back it's Cinderella. <laughs> Cinderella. That's horrible. So we get back and then we fish guts the lawn. And then, of course, you know, we took pictures and circulated them around school. So Thank God there was an A social media. Knew. And I just want to make sure I understand. I so in Maine, yeah. this is what kids do for fun. They fish. You don't TP the house. Right. You fish gut the signs. Well, you All probably, right. you know, I grew up in Wiscasset, Maine. I do, yeah. And did you ever remember Simpsons Seafood, which was I, right on Route 1? I know exactly where okay. it is. I've shopped there. Simpsons, if you would call ahead and you'd be like, hey, can you leave me out a couple buckets of fish guts? Because people would use them in their compost. Yeah. They would leave them on the back. So in high school, I called them and said, hey, Simpsons, you know, I need a couple buckets. I'm a political activist. Can you leave me a few buckets <laughs> of fish guts? <laughs> they did. We fish guts. She hires somebody to clean it up and sends me the bill. And I was so furious. Not, you know, I mean, at this point, I was not accepting responsibility in my life for many things. <laughs> so I almost sent her $15 in pennies. I was going to say you should have sent her pennies. But my mom was like, no, for God's sakes, you're sending her the money. So anyway. But okay, I just wondered if you'd ever been to that point. No. I have. I have other anger issues. I did get out and pull my car in the middle of a road and bang on a cop's window. I mean, cabbie's window. Really? Oh, uh, with my wife in the car. It was bad. Were your kids in the car? No. Oh, that's good. Then there's but some discretion it, it, there. <laughs> well, it wasn't because I was responsible. It was because we didn't have kids yet. Oh. It was on K Street. You know how the, the cabbies just used to stop in the middle of the road? Like, wherever they wanted, they stopped. I was a little angry. A little anger issue. They used to do this, or they still do? Um, well, uh, yes. Both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, there's one other serious story, though, I wanted you to weigh in on, too. Did you read that story about the daughter who now could be going to jail for several years for shooting her dad up I, with heroin? I did. That was horrible. This is another dilemma, right? Okay, so here's a little bit of background on this story, too. So uh, the daughter... Well, it was and, in Kansas, right? In Kansas, Kansas. right. Okay. The daughter and the father both addicted to heroin, which, mm -hmm. of course, is, you know, in this country, we have like a major issue with that, we right? We do. So they've been doing drugs together for a long time. The dad ends up essentially saying to her, you know, will you... They had done it before in the past where they'd shot each other up with heroin, and that was it. Anyway, he ends up having an overdose and dying, and now she could be going to jail. I think, for, I, I think they are going to convict her. I think she... Or maybe or she, she has already, already been convicted. convicted. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. So... Because I think it's, she got three years. But there's another one. Can you... So for manslaughter. Mm hmm And I'm like... Can you really? That's amazing to me, right? I mean, the guy's already an addict. He's going to inject himself one way or the other. Do you consider that manslaughter? I, you know, I thought of it. Yeah, I do. You do? I do. I completely do. I was like, I cannot believe they're going to. This is a person who's already addicted to drugs. Yeah, but she did the injecting. But here's what was interesting is she must have admitted it instead of just saying, hey. I think she did when they when she, she called. She must have because she's passed out. She woke up. He was unresponsive. Mm -hmm. So she had to say to the cops, yeah, I did it. So she didn't think it was wrong. But, yeah, I think if you do that, it's I mean, what would be the difference of someone like cleaning their gun and shooting someone? It's an accident. But it's, you know, I suppose that's not illegal. But I, I somehow it just 
Yeah, I thought it was bad. I thought she should have been convicted. But I thought it was nice. The judge said at the end, hey, I don't want to see you dead. So I think in the end, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe, well, true. I mean, that could be a real rock bottom for you. Yeah, although I mean, that is a rock bottom. I think yeah. there's as much drug, uh, you know, I've never been in prison, but my understanding is there's a lot of drugs in prison. So I don't know if that's such a good thing. <laughs> oh my God, this story is, it is tragic. Uh, by the way, the, the dad was 55 years old. His name was Leonard Newkirk and he was found dead. Her attorney, by the way, the daughter said obviously it was not an intentional act, but she did plead guilty to involuntary manslaughter and has been sentenced to three years in prison. So you're right. She already has been sentenced. And by the way, either way, what a horrible thing. 27 years old. I know. I mean, I know killing how your dad. I know. I mean, that's... See, but that's the part I'm like, I don't think she, you know, she didn't kill him. Because here's the thing. If you're in the midst of addiction... Right. You're you're on the path to killing yourself. Yeah, but that would be like saying a dealer isn't responsible. I mean... But I don't know that the dealer is responsible because you're the person doing it. Yeah, but there's someone providing those drugs. But they're not forcing you to take them. Like she, this daughter is not. This the dad is already addicted to heroin. He's going to shoot up whether she shoots him up or not. Right. So I feel like it's it's on him. Like it's tragic, but I don't know. I would have, if I were her attorney, I would have been like, I'm sorry, she shouldn't get anything. Yeah. I mean, I, except for maybe uh, clearly she has a drug addiction. You right. know, she issue. should so be she in should be in rehab. Some right? kind of she needs some kind of help. However, the worst punishment of all is she killed her father. Like, can you imagine living with that for the rest of your life? I don't right? care. There's punishment enough. Yeah, that's awful. Isn't that unbelievable? Awful. Um, you saw the comments that uh, President-elect Donald Trump made about L.L. Bean. That, I did. That people should not boycott. Yeah. I have to say, this is one of those boycotts I can't participate in because, you know, I'm a Mainer and I love L.L. Bean. I, I can't even imagine not shopping. I even had an L.L. Bean credit card. <laughs> you do. True so story. my mom. <laughs> True story. <laughs> You do. I'm going to take this thing out so you don't think I'm completely full of shit, okay. which I'm you know, <laughs> prone to do. Look. Let's see. Oh, my God. I love it. Don't they give great reward, they rewards? Get, You're they, always getting the $10 I'm off. I'm always getting the $10 off. I just bought a winter jacket. But no, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I think the whole idea of it's interesting, right? Because, listen, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump at all. I think he's loony. Um <laughs> But I also think he deserves to have a chance. Like, everyone deserves right. a chance. And who knows how much of this is, is posturing and how much is real. And I think everybody just needs to settle down and just see what he does. Like, see what happens. Yeah, but I think the idea of boycotting L.L. Bean, she's not even on, I think she's on the board, but she's not even an active member of the Yeah, staff. Linda Bean. So, but here's what I would say, which is, it just seems like we can't complain that Trump is a bully if we're then going to do the exact same thing. It's either, either everyone's a bully or no one's a bully. And when it comes to L.L. Bean, I am... So you're not... I know. No I, I thought this was ridiculous. By the way, uh, Linda Bean gave $60,000 to the Making America Great Pack last year. That was according to the Center for Responsive Politics. And that's why people are upset. The donation was enough to land the retailer on a boycott list from Grab Your Wallet, an anti-Trump group, which is urging boycotts of any businesses it sees supporting Trump or his business. And of course, you know, he tweeted out recently, you know, thank you to Linda Bean of L.L. Bean for your great support and courage. People will support you even more now. Yeah. By L.L. Bean. I got to say, I love L.L. Bean. But I do, disclaimer, I am going to continue to shop at L.L. Bean, but not because Donald Trump told me to. I just happen to like it. That's true. I know. That is true. I just don't want to get these, you know, emails saying that somehow there's a tacit approval of Trump just because I have my plastic shoes on. <laughs> I know. I know. So, all right.
right, Peter. All right. You're, a couple years from now, your boys are in relationships, right? Okay, they have significant others. The significant other calls you and your wife and wants advice on how to deal with your son. Do you give advice? What do you do? Zero chance. I would probably. Really? What would you say? I would say, are you crazy? Like, I'm not getting involved in that. I may oh, even. Really? I would probably call my son and say, listen, well, here's a little advice for you. Like, if you get guys can't you get out now, run fast. Really? Yep. And one of my sons is pretty fast, so <laughs> he, he could so make a quick exit. Under no circumstances do you think in a relationship you should be going to the other person's parents? With one exception. Okay, what's that? And if there is a safety issue. Like, oh, if they okay, are genuinely concerned about the safety of your child, that's one thing. But, like, you know, oh, he snores at night or, you know, he tends to go out on Saturday with friends. I don't know. Where, no. What about if you're in a relationship? Okay, so my girlfriend, you know, she's been in this relationship like eight years, yeah. right? So, you know, they're being... Get out. <laughs> really? Get out. Wow. So he's kind of going through this depression funk, you know. I think he's kind of realizing some things in his life that in his childhood and everything there were issues. So he's been talking to her parents about it. So you ha- you think that's major red flag? Uh, like a field of flags. A sea of flags. <laughs> He has take cornered the market on red flags. Really? Yes. Okay. I. What do you, know, you think? Uh, I'm sort of torn on this one because I think to. I feel like look, your parents shouldn't be counseling you through your entire relationship, right? Like I don't think your parents need to know the ins and outs how, of your how, sex wait, how life old is and all this she? stuff. She's my age, so she's 34. Okay. So, but I feel like if this guy's having some personal issues and can kind of connect with her parents, wouldn't you want to help somebody that you loved and cared about? And maybe he ends up kind of, you know, seeking real help for his depression or then something like that. Then that should be that. their advice. I mean, they're enabling this, right, by continuing this dialogue around their daughter's, behind their daughter's back. If I was the daughter, I would be absolutely apoplectic. I, I would I, I would be crazy. Really? Well, that's what you're saying. I'd kick his ass out and give him, like... The yellow pages for counselors and say, you get yourself straight, come back. Okay, Aaron, there's the advice. Yeah. Is she yeah. cute? Yeah, she's adorable. She's Tell great. Tell her to come to some of our parties. Alone. Oh, my God. Your parties are totally where it's Thank at you. to meet people. Yeah, so tell her to come. Yeah, fuck Tinder. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you guys are, like, where it's at. Yeah, and maybe we'll have a koozie for her. <laughs> yes. All right, I want to do two quick stories, uh, two more stories before we get into your advice. But okay. the annoying emails, by the way, that your coworkers send, there's a list out. Um so, and, and here's kind of the way they say that you can tell, like, if your email habits are annoying. Sending emails that are far too lengthy. Do you have that problem, by the way, over at uh, Modern Lugs? Are you saying, do I have that problem? Or how about people that work for you? Do they yeah. send, like, too damn long emails? Too damn long emails. What's your max, Peter? Because I have the no scroll rule, which means That's I a great do not rule. scroll. I would say um, more than a couple lines. So that's it? That's it. I don't read after that. Me neither. You get, your, you get my attention in maybe the first... I gotta sound like Twitter, you know, the first hundred and fifty letters. That's about it. I, I have the attention it. span. I'm, I'm, you know, an old man, but I have the attention span of a four-year-old. Oh, that's great. So, so the mind of a millennial, body of an old man. Thank you for that. Could you speak up, please? Are you, are you still going? <laughs> Did you walk out? Hey, thanks, Sarah. This has been great. I'll see you later. Bye. F-, F off. Here's a good. I uh, someone, Many people have told me to fuck myself on yeah. this, so you won't be the first. Excellent. Uh, sending emails where it's not clear what you're asking the recipient to do. Ever Hate had that it. one? All the time. I'm trying All to think. I don't think I get that one too, too much. I bet if you start looking, you'll see. 
Really? Okay, yeah, I'm because look they're for these that. innocuous, like, hey, how you doing? What's going on later today? And you're like, well, why are you asking? Yeah. Or uh, the, the multiple CCs, like they copy everyone. My kid's soccer team, they copy every parent. Like, practice tonight, okay. That's and, on the list, too. And there it is. And I now have to open it and pretend like I really give a shit. Um, also, they say requesting read receipts. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had those? I hate that. Have you ever had a read receipt? It's I, so annoying. I do. I delete them. Uh, is that like, that's just it for uh-uh. you? Yeah. Who will send you the read receipt? Will it be like a colleague or will it be more someone applying for like a position? It's mostly clients or colleagues. Not even clients. I would say colleagues. To make sure I'm going to read it. It's obnoxious. like, well, just pick up the phone if you're really concerned. Oh, I know. Uh, copying your coworker's manager on the email without cause. Ever had that one happen? When you weren't the boss, did you ever have that happen? Yes. Yeah, I, me st- too. I still have a boss. Oh, you do? You have to answer to someone? That sucks. I, I know. <laughs> I agree. I can't wait. Yes. That's the thing. It's like, I don't want to go back to like any sort of conventional media. I don't want to have to answer to anybody. Everybody has a boss. I mean, I've got I one know. at home. She is the boss, but the only place I wear pants is at my office. I have a dress on most of the rest of the most of the rest of the week. Oh my god, Peter, you are the ideal guy. Yeah. You really are. That's amazing. I play that up though. It's she would tell you a different story, but I cook, I clean, I no, I'm kidding. I do actually. You do? That's Yeah, great. but she works hard. I bet, I'm sure. You she seem like you're a fifty fifty partnership. Um, and you're, well, you know, I mean, in for most Do you think parts. she'll be listening to this? Because uh, if she isn't, I'm going to say, you bet your ass I'm a 50-50 partner. <laughs> and if we can edit it, if I know she's listening, she works really hard. She probably does more of the work. 60-40? Eh, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm hard of hearing. Uh, here's some other ones, too. Okay. Replying all unnecessarily, like Hate we it. were talking about. Yeah. And getting heated or snarky on an email. Do you have that problem in your office? Um, yeah, me. Really? You'll yeah. Be- really? Yeah. It's bad. You'll get, be heated or snarky in an email. Heated, not snarky. And w- when you're heated, what do you do? Use all caps? No, I am very direct. Oh, you'll be like, look, asshole. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I get an email battles. Is <laughs> Yeah. I'm good at it. Is it effective? Is it, I, know. I don't think it's ever really effective. It's fun as shit, but I don't know if it's effective. Like, <laughs> I actually enjoy it because I can wordsmith, and that gives me, like, 30 seconds to breathe and think. Whereas if I'm in front of someone, I'll probably say something really inflammatory. Oh, I know. But yeah, I'm. It's a problem. I need I need an intervention. Really? Yes. All right. Well, hey, no problem. You ha- you don't have like a you don't send it to yourself first and like cool off or anything. You don't have like any method yet. I used to have a method, but when I'm angry, the that method goes effective. out the window. <laughs> That's the whole problem. If I actually had a method, I talk a good game. I don't necessarily practice what I preach. Oh, I know. It's so hard. It's hard. Well, I thought this last story, too. We'll, we'll probably just pick four of these, but there's a list out of the nine. Wait, no, no, no. You have to pick all of them. We'll you go fast. You want to do all? Okay, I do. Okay. Because um, I like them. We can get into your okay. advice for entrepreneurs and women and millennials, yes. but there's a, a story out that I wanted to talk about for a while, and it's nine things that ultra-productive people do every day. I thought that was really good. I know. I thought this was amazing, too. So here's their <laughs> advice, okay? They fight the tyranny of the urgent. The tyranny of the urgent refers to the tendency of little things that have to be done right now that get in the way of what really matters. This creates a huge problem as urgent actions often have little impact. you agree with that? Completely agree. Really? Yep. Great advice. I know. It is hard to stay on focus. I have a little tool that I'm going to show you in a second. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Uh, Number two on the list is they never touch things twice. Productive people never put anything in a holding pattern because they touch things twice. It's a huge time waster. So like, for example, don't save an email or phone call to deal with later. You set up a time you answer them all you get it done 
You like that one? Yeah, I think it's great advice. It's so hard to do. So hard to do. And I'm a pile maker, which is the worst thing. <clears throat> but my desk is getting cleaner, but I am a pile maker. So I move it from one pile to another. But I'm working on that. And I do think it's good advice. I think it's the hard, of everything on that list, I think that is the single hardest thing. I do too. Well, I think this one is hard too. How many emails do you have in your inbox right now? Oh, hundreds. 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 I mean, I have, uh, it's terrible. I think I have to go back to page three or page four to really. To That's get bad. caught up on emails from listeners. So at one point I had 29,000 emails in my inbox oh, spanning spanning three months, right? How many <laughs> well, does she have? This is my phone. Okay, on my phone, <laughs> my phone right now on Gmail, 9,710. Right. But most of it's spam. Yeah, but so get rid of it. So I, I decided, because I New Year's resolutions, which I hate, I but I did decide when there was nothing going on between Christmas and New Year, I cleaned out every folder of my inbox. I am down to... 37 emails this is of this morning in my inbox. So when you get down to that manageable... But see, awesome. here's the thing. Sorry. When you get down to that manageable number, then you can actually put some of these plans into action. If you never get there, it's so daunting, you'll never do it. Oh, my God. All right. Well, now I'm motivated to So you got to gotta get there so you have a base level, and that's the problem with a lot of these things. They're great ideas, but putting them in action, that's the challenge. Uh, number three on the list is they eat frogs first, which essentially means eating frogs is doing the task that you... The least desirable task first. The least desirable task. I am terrible at that. So that comes from... Um, do you know who Brian Tracy is? He's a motivational and sales guru. So no. he has a book called Eat That Frog. And that oh. is where that whole statement comes from. Okay. Um, and actually, I uh, work with a woman... Winning Ways is the name of the... I, one thing that we can talk about later is it's worth the investment to get a business coach or, or a professional coach, which I have. Um, she's amazing. Really? I was loath to do it because it's really freaking expensive. Um, and I did it for, it was out of my pocket. It wasn't a corporate thing. She was amazing and she helped me, but this is the tool. So she had me read that book, Eat the Frog. And this is a form that I use <gasps> every single day. Can I keep this, by the way, and it's put it you. up on my website for, for, for listeners yeah. to print? That's amazing. It's, yeah. And it, by the way, it has two columns for those of you guys listening. And one says must and the other says should. And the must there's sort of bigger spaces and then kind of almost like sub. Correct. So the way this works, um, it's really simple. There are five must things and there are seven should things. And every night before I leave, I fill this out. Love that. And the next day, I do this before anything else. And when I, if I get through everything, nothing else matters. And what ends up happening is when you put things aside, those meaningless, urgent, the first point on that list, mm -hmm. they go away. Half of that shit just resolves itself. Oh, wow. But That's why I got to do that. But you got to do this. This is a really great tool. If anyone wants to chat with me about how I use it oh, and yeah. how to implement it, send me an email. They know how to get me through you. Um, I'm happy to give up my email address, whatever. Yeah, you got to at the end. Okay. Um, the other ones on this list is they don't multitask. This is, by the way, the, the list is nine things ultra productive people do every day. I'm not sure I agree with that one. Really? Yeah, because I know some really successful people, and I do think there's a gender multitask. difference between the ability to multitask. I think women, if you believe the Grateful Dead, are smarter than men anyway, but I also think Love they that. are much better at multitasking than men. That's true. I and think there's some research. Daniel Pink has done a little bit of research on that, which would prove that to be true. So. Oh. I have some people who, who work with me who are amazing, who are great multitaskers. Uh, they also get ready for tomorrow before they leave the office. Always. I do this, too. Critical. Yeah. I lay out my clothes. Or I, I hire, like, somebody to come and make all my outfits, I, and I have I, a picture. I, by the way, I love how you say you lay out your clothes because it's efficient. <laughs> you love that. You're doing it because you like it. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, excuse me, it saves right. time. Fair enough. Uh, number six, they stick to You did to a good the, job today. <laughs> thank you. They stick to the schedule during meetings. Meetings are one of the biggest things that can be time wasters because people get off tangents and da-da-da. They have a set schedule. They stick to it. You need an agenda. Yeah. They say no. No is a powerful word. That's number seven on the list. I'm... I'm desperately trying to learn You're this the worst one. at that. I'm the worst, the worst, the worst. Because you have such enthusiasm. I know. Sometimes I, you have to say no. And I genuinely love and have Aaron, interest. Aaron, tell your boyfriend sometimes he's got to say no. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I'm still stuck on that. I cannot really? get off that. I have this vision of red flags dancing in my head. Okay, go on. Sorry, we're... Oh, it's so true. I do. I like everybody, and I feel like so many people have great ideas. My biggest thing, though, is I, I feel like a lot of time I have too many coffee meetings and stuff with people that I'm like, this is a time waster. So just say no. Why am I doing this? you got to balance mm-hmm. it. No, I agree with you. Number eight is the only they only check email at designated times. You do that? I used to. Need to get back to it. But that's a great point. And number nine on the list is they put technology to work for them. Technology catches a lot of flack for being a distraction, but it can also help you focus. Ultra-productive people put technology to work for them beyond setting up filters on their email accounts so that messages are sorted, prioritized for them. There's lots of things that they do, uh, so they say use that. Agreed. I love that one, too. Um, So part of the reason, too, I wanted to have you on is the other day I was at your office and we were just having this great conversation about millennials and women and entrepreneurs. And you have so much experience. And there's so many people that listen to this show that want to start their own business or they are millennials. um, And lots of times things aren't going right with them. And why do you think that? It's an interesting point because I hear that a lot, that things aren't going well. And there's a report. Have you ever heard of the website Young Invincibles? I don't think I have. It's Peter, really, now I've got all this work to do. You, I know. Got, you guys all have some yeah. work to do. But there's a website called Young Invincibles, and it's really about the millennial generation. And they approach things from a research basis. So there are some facts that are true. Millennials are making uh, $10,000 less than their counterparts from 1989, my generation. Okay. I okay. graduated college in 87. I, had my, I, had, I owned a business right out of school. So 89 was, that's where I was. And I'm, they're making, I was not one of them, but they're making $10,000 less. Okay. Their net worth of assets is half of their millennial, of their uh, baby boomer parents. So there are some real facts. Call it, you know, uh, so, loan debt is. And why is that? So what's on the website? Like, what's the, what's the reason for that? Is it just like companies have more power? They can just pay you less? Or so is it- it's, you know, they don't really address. You have to read between the lines on the website. But what's okay. really interesting is I would say that when you look at the website, it's kind of point and blame. Like, look at us poor millennials. We're making less. We're doing less. But I would tell you having, I mean, we hire a ton of millennials. I think that that generation also bears some of the responsibility. Okay. In what ways? In so many many ways. Okay, so what are your, what are your I will top? tell you, when, when I worked, my first job, and, and by the way, I have these conversations and they chuckle. My, I own my own company. It failed. I went bankrupt. I had nothing left. When I graduated- Wow. Yep. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. So here's the quick, quick story. Yeah. It's boring, but I'll tell you the story. So from the time I was 14, I worked 40 hours a week. I figured a way to do it. With school, I played sports. It was important to me to have my own money every Saturday because back crap. then there was no direct deposit. You'd get a paper check. Yep. So I would literally get the check. I would sit at my dining room table. I'd call my grandfather, who was my inspiration, and say, Grandpa Nat, I got, you know, I worked 40 hours a week at $3 an hour. After taxes, I had $104. What do I do with this giant sum of money? And he would say, all right, I'm going to invest it for you. So he would invest it. I would sign my check wow. over to him, and I'd send it to him. So I bought stocks all through high school and even through college. I had all this money, graduated college. Wow. The job market was, you think it's bad now. In 1987, it was a disaster. So there were no jobs. I went on a 
couple hundred interviews. I'm not exaggerating. There was nothing there for me. Um, and I, by the way, were you? Did you want to be in publishing then? No, I wanted to be a psychologist. Really? Yeah. So I really wanted to work in. Oh my I god, know. Peter, please! Oh I, my gosh, this is great. I we, really wanted to work in. Me- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a bad idea. Talk about turning the tables. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, please. I got tons of problems, so yeah. I can't wait. Um. So, but yeah, I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to work in the hospital setting and go back to school and become a, a family therapist. That's what I wanted to do. But, so I got all these job offers that were eleven thousand a year, thirteen thousand a year. The the most uh, the biggest one I got was. $15,000 a year. And I didn't have the luxury of staying at home. My mom was like, you are out of here, buddy. I was in Boston at the time. Yep. Um, so within two months, you know, she's like, push me out of the nest. Time to fly. Wow. Know? So we didn't have the luxury of dad paying the insurance. And I mean, I was on my own. So um, my brother had a company at the time. He's a talent agent. And he said, you know, I got an extra chair. If you want to start your own business, you can, which I did. Cashed in all my stocks. Most of them lost my shirt. Um, wow. Yeah, and ended up l- literally all. I was living in a baseball factory in Natick, Massachusetts, an awesome place with my best friend, um, an old baseball, not a working baseball factory. <laughs> yeah. Irene's like, that's cool. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> um, the intern's in it. She loves it. Does, yeah, it's a great place. And um, all my business failed. I had no money left. Um, and my friend called me up and said, hey, I'm going down to D.C. Do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, I need to get out of here. And he's like, all right, the U-Haul be outside your house. I said, well, you mean move. That was on a Saturday. I moved on a Tuesday. I had no job, no apartment. We literally wow. loaded up his Datsun B210 and moved down to D.C., and that's how it all started. So I came down here without a job, no money, no nothing, and found a job, worked for a temp agency. I worked two jobs. It, to me, that... You had the hustle. That mentality doesn't exist today in the young people. They say things to me like, you know... It, I got to leave today. I got a yoga class at 530. I hope you understand. I mean, that happens all the time. <gasps> what do you say, by the way, as the boss? What well, do you... So, you know, initially I was like, I, maybe I'm out of step. Maybe I, maybe I don't get it. But it is a general problem. And if you look between the lines at this research on Young Invincibles, what it says to me is they're not willing to make the sacrifices. So I'll give you some very specific examples. Okay, because I, I have a question to that. Okay. okay. I had a woman who worked for me. She was great, very successful. After a while, she realized, well, this is really hard. I'm going to leave. We would talk about her weekends, and, and she would say, have you ever been to, uh, can I say a restaurant's name? Yeah, oh my God, please. Have you ever been to Rose's Luxury? I'm like, no, nah, but I'm dying to go. I hear great things about it. Yes. And she would say, I went there this weekend. It was amazing. It was kind of expensive. I mean, the dinner was like $400. <laughs> And I'm thinking to myself... Who the hell did she go with? Well, they go with friends. But wow. they do things that we would never do. Like, right, they spend money in yeah. ways just for the experience that I would never do. I, when we went out, it was right. like Big Bite at 7-Eleven. That was, you know... That was the big night. We'd get chili on it sometimes. That was the big thing. But we would never spend money on that. I, I didn't buy coffee. Like, I would never go buy coffee or breakfast. I made my lunch. Like, we just didn't do those things because saving was really important. I bought my first house when I was 27. That was really important to me. It was a shithole in Arlington, Virginia, um, right off Columbia Pike, that was going to be either destroyed because it was disgusting um, or someone was going to fix it. And it was not, it was, we lived there, but we shouldn't have. I mean, it was just nasty, but we saved this little house. And today it's a beautiful little house. We drive by it all the time. So here's my question to you. Do you think like when, when you have employees that leave that, that want to go do yoga, right? Right. Do you think that now um, millennials, younger people are more aware of like their all around balance and health? Because would you say the, like, 
my dad, for example, right? Complete workaholic. Yep. Um, never knew any balance, never took care of his health, and, and subsequently had esophageal and stomach cancer and died when I was in high school. And I think a big part of that is, like, there was never any focus on taking care of you. Which is fine, but you can't then complain that somehow you're worse off. And, uh-huh. I mean, I see these guys who, you know, this whole idea of illegal immigrants and workers, these guys work their asses off. And, you know, I, I see people in my office ordering Uber Eats every day. I mean, they don't even get off their butt But what, to are they go, complaining they can't pay their bills? Yeah. Or okay. they have bills and they can't afford to invest or buy a house or do something meaningful. It's all of these little frivolous things. And that mentality really leaks into the workplace. They're wow. not as focused in... They, they don't really have a plan. They don't think about the end game. They don't think about, hey, when I'm 50, what's my life going to be like? Because right. they, don't, they don't invest in it now. And for me, I think it's a huge problem. And when you find someone like Irene or someone who really gets it and they're like, oh, I, I got to invest now, it's such a refreshing, right. it, it just makes you really believe. And they're great people. It's not like they're, I'm sorry, Donald Trump. They're great people. They're all great people. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, Exactly. I think, by and large, they mean well, but they're not willing to put in that extra 5 or 10%. They need to be the ones that are there before the boss and leave after. When I was starting to work, and I mean, I, I have a director of marketing. She's there early. She's there late. She's grinding. She's amazing. She could probably use a little bit more work-life balance. She's one of the few people who's there before, there after. Right. Like, she really invests in, in that. Um, and yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah. I think the millennial generation is so about themselves that they've forgotten who they work for. And, you know, this idea yeah. of managing up. I can have and that issue. Managing yeah. up and saying, hey, this is what I want, but what is my boss, the guy who I'm reporting to or the woman I'm reporting to, what's their expectations? It's like they're like, no, 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 no. So, you, <laughs> you need to understand what's, what I'm about. Let me ask you this. Is okay. this why, because I thought this was fascinating. I figured in your business, which is now all about, you know, luxury and food and drinking and fashion, you were saying that you all rarely work with bloggers, influencers at um, DC Modern Luxury. Occasionally. Why? Well, I mean, first of all, it's an editorial issue, but it's so hard. They're so fleeting. I mean, wow. you know, we were talking about this earlier. If you, DC Ladies is a blog. If you go to their blog, they've got, if you Google it, there's okay. a link of all the blogs in DC. Mm-hmm. You go to those blogs that are still linked there, half of them are inactive, or half of them haven't had a post since 2015. And I think it's, again, it's fleeting. It's like people are like, this is cool, I'm going to be a blogger. There are very few that are serious about it, right. that are really approaching it like it's either a business or a passion or something I want to do. So I just, until I see someone that's credible and is really willing to invest and isn't just doing it so they can get free product, which is half of the reason they do it. Right, or, bloggers well, and influencers and fashion people, yeah. Yeah, so it's not that I don't believe there's a value. It's just no one yet has proven to me that they're willing to invest long-term and really be someone that's a voice that I should defer to. They haven't developed any expertise, and they think they have expertise just because they throw their name on a blog and they write a few posts, like, boom, and I'm, a, I'm an expert on caviar. You work with a a lot of women. What I want to know, what's the biggest mistake that women make in the workplace and the biggest advantage that women have in the workplace? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so I don't know that women, I, I, I am hesitant to say that there's a gender problem with women. Okay. Because in my experience, the women I've worked with and for 
are by and large exceptional. So I would tell you that as a man, I've learned more from women for sure than they've learned from me. Um, so I don't know that they're necessarily doing anything wrong. I think the one thing I would say is they should have an expectation um, of being able to do anything they want, get anywhere they want, do anything, and be willing to invest in that. I think if there's anything that I see, particularly in younger people, is it's a lack of belief or even a lack of desire ah, that yeah. they can get to where they want to go. Mm. And I would tell you, you can. Not only you can, but you should. And if you work hard, the, the beautiful thing about millennials being distracted and being all about me is that the few people who want to work really hard, that cream will rise to the top. And to me, I think that's... Um, well, and don't you think it's about being patient? Because that's you know me, I have big goals. But sometimes it's like what can erode your belief is it doesn't happen on your timeline. And great work, you end up realizing, takes a long time. No, so time. I'm going dis to disagree with you. Oh, okay, good. And I'm going to give you some advice. Good, yes, please, I need it. No, I don't think it's about patience. I think it's about impatience. Mm. But I think it's setting an effective plan that you can reach. Okay. The, the biggest problem for people is they don't set goals they can actually achieve. You mm. have to set small goals. So I'll give you an example. I am not the thinnest man in the world, right? <laughs> so I saw but friend. But you're in good shape. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. You are. Uh, you yeah. just said I had an old man body. Now I'm in good shape. <laughs> Make up your goddamn mind, for the well, love I mean, of God. I mean, I've seen some bad old man bodies. Yeah. Yours is not one. You have not seen my body, though. <laughs> that sounded weird. Yeah, it did sound sorry, weird. Yeah, sorry, yeah, okay. sorry to your wife. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Call Aaron's parents and ask her what she thinks. <laughs> I will. So, um, I, you have to set achievable goals. So, I had a friend of mine, heavy. I hadn't seen him in about six months. He walks up. I was waiting for my kids to get off the bus at some event they were at, and I said, hey, you look great. I said, what did you do? And he goes, I don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. Okay. So I uh, did not take that for no. Like, in that case, I was persistent. So over the next few months, I was like, David, you have to tell me what you did. And he's like, I don't like to discuss it. Anyway, sorry to bore you. No. You're sleeping. On. That's why no, I said no. sorry to bore you. <laughs> so no, so I, I asked him, and he said, here's what I did. I set achievable goals. He said I had three rules. I never ate after, eat, after 8 o'clock at okay. night. Okay, yep. I um, lost weight in five-pound increments, and there was one other rule, which I can't remember, but those were the two that stuck in my head. Because thinking about, oh, I need to lose 50 pounds, that is really hard to do. It's, it's daunting. It's daunting. And so when people set out to be, hey, I want to be a publisher, I want to be a CEO, I want my own business that makes $6 million a year, you're like, it's just, it's too much. It's too much, okay. too far away. Okay. So you have to think about what small incremental steps you can take I to like get that. there and write it down. Don't think of it and dream it when you're stoned or drunk. Like, write it down and say, you know what? I, this is what I want to do. So if it means I need to improve my work ethic, you have to take it one step further. The nine points that you read earlier, the productivity mm -hmm. email, those are all great points, but they suck if you don't actually do it. So can you do all nine? Probably not. I mean, you were asking me, do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? I do some of those better than others, but sure. the ones that I do, I really try and stick to. Yeah, you're like, so, take three and master those. And master them. Got it. And then add a fourth in. And I, that's what I would say. If I have account executives who, they're supposed to make 15 face-to-face -face calls a week. If they come into my meeting and they have, uh, I meet with them every Friday, did this morning. If, if they come into the meeting and they say, I only did six, I can't say... Next week, you got to do 22 to make up the difference. It's like, okay, there's been a pattern. Now what you really need to do is get to nine, and then the next week get to 11. Because 
they'll get frustrated. Everyone, regardless of when they were born, gets frustrated if they can't reach the top of the mountain. Not every task should be Everest. Right? Yeah, right. Some of it should just right. be a speed bump. Yeah. And I think in, in your life, you have to implement that. So figure out and ask your boss what's important to her. Say, what is the one thing that I'm doing that annoys you or that's important? Or that what advice would you give me to keep me here? Mm, that's a great question to ask your and boss. And focus wow. on that. Um, you asked me what women do really well. Yeah. There are a couple things that I think women are exceptional about. One of them is they ask great questions. And ah. I would tell you that I think as much as I'm talking, you can see the gender difference because you're nodding and I'm yapping. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet for the rest of the show. No, it's going to be no. a one-woman show. This is for about you. No, this is great. So it, it, to me, um, so I, I think that that is really critical. Um, the second, it, just being able to ask questions, being inquisitive, I think is a really great quality for everyone. Okay. Um, so, and I think women do it better than men. They also listen. So they'll ask a question, they listen better than men. Um, and I think that that is partly ego driven because men generally think they're right more than women think they're right. I might be wrong. What do you guys? Um, I, I mean, I admire men's like, I, I think with a woman, you can easily kind of talk a lot of women out of things. You know what I'm saying? Cause I think we're more open to different situations. Like you said, we listen to different sides where I think men I admire is like, they get a conviction and it's like, they're going to do it. You right know, or wrong. Right or wrong. Right or wrong. And there's something to that. Like, whether it fails, whether it succeeds, a lot of times you can't talk a guy out of it. Where a woman, or at least with me, I'll, I'll want to survey other people in my circle. And it's like, sometimes, fuck that. You well, need to, like, it, it's just funny have you say, your conviction. And if it fails, Sarah, then the show fails. Well, but we, you did it your way. We were talking the other day when I saw you about, did I tell you the story about the woman who applied for the job? Yes. Can I tell that story? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Tell that story. So we were talking about millennials. We had this conversation which spurred her... Um, we were chatting about it. So I had a woman who, I had a friend call me up and say, listen, I saw that you were advertising for a position. I have a friend who has a daughter who'd be great for the job. And I said, send her over. She was lovely. I loved her. But the reality was there was a set limit for the job. And I was very clear with her. This is the max. I'm going to pay you the max. But this is the max it pays. And so I liked her. We had an interview. I was planning to make her an offer. And I said, but I want you to go home. This was on a Thursday. Go home for the weekend and chat about it. Think about it. And come back to me because you, I want to hire you. You know what the salary is. You'll be great at the job, but you have to figure out if it fits because there is no more money. So I want you to really take some time before you make this decision. She calls me back. Uh, I wait, noth hear nothing on Friday, hear nothing on Monday. Tuesday, I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, what happened? I don't know. So I call her up. Hey, Megan, what's going on? Oh, I meant to call you. Got really busy. Yeah. What? With what? I mean, my God, this is your future. So my first talk about men having conviction. Hair stands up. I'm not a hairy guy, but on the back of my neck, I do have a little bit. Stood up. And I was like, this does not make me feel good. I should have called Aaron's parents just to get a feel for. Yeah. So. <laughs> they would have counseled you. I want to call Aaron's parents, by the way. Actually, that would be a good, yeah. You know what? We need to get them on the phone. Yeah. Um, so I call her on Tuesday, and she says, you know, um, I'm really interested, but, you know, can we talk about the offer? I said, yeah, I want you to come in. I'll present you with the offer. She says, great. So she comes in. I present her with the offer. I'm like, ready to go. This is on Tuesday afternoon. She says, well, let me think about it overnight. And I, I stopped her and I said, I'm confused. You know what the job is. You know what it pays. Plus you've had four days. Yeah, you've had it. four days. I've been very patient, too patient. And she goes, just, I, I need a night to think about it. It seems fair to me. And I thought to myself, I don't really get it, but okay. Next day, don't hear from her. Call her in the afternoon. Hey, oh. what's going on? 
She says, oh, I've been crazy today. Um, so I'm really, I want the job, but you're going to not, is there any room for negotiation? You're going to need to pay me $2,500 more a year. Wow. Okay. And I said, I am, now I'm really stumped, Aaron. I mean, this, Megan, this was, the, I told you what the salary was. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to withdraw the offer. She said, you're going to do what? And I said, I'm withdrawing the offer. And she said, you can't do that. And I said, uh, I, and it, verbatim, I said, uh, I can. And I just did. And she said, that's not what my dad said you'd say. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm sorry. Hang up the phone. <laughs> Three minutes later, my friend calls and said, hey, I just got off the phone with her dad. What do you think? You can't do that. And I said, oh, I can, and I did. Let me tell you the story. And he goes, you know, this really important client, his dad is really pissed. Like, you got to make this right. And I was I am not making this right. Wow, so, you have some friends. Damn. So he hangs up the phone. I'm thinking, thank God this is over. Yeah. Two minutes later, phone rings. It's her dad. <gasps> who I don't know, never this spoke to. This is at, like, a major publication. This is unreal. Okay. Never, calls up and says, listen, you need to reconsider. No, no, it gets better. I said, I, I re- who are you? You know, so he explains who I am. I'm sorry. I thought you knew who I was. Nope, don't know who you are. You need to reconsider. I gave her that advice. So I said, well, that was stupid advice. <laughs> and I'm not reconsidering. Yeah, and, and he goes, fuck off. So, no, wait. I, but I wasn't angry. I should have been. Yeah, yeah, you were seeming I should have thrown it. fish guts on him, but <laughs> I didn't. Or I pennies. I got your back. We'll yeah, go to thank Simpsons. You. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, he then says, here's what we're going to do. I'm like, we. He says, you pay her the salary you offer, I'm going to subsidize it with the $2,500. This is amazing. Amazing. And I was like, I have to go. And I hung up. But what I realized when I hung up that phone is this is part of the problem. I have a lot of people who, you know, until they're 26, their dads pay for their health insurance, their auto insurance. Like, they haven't made all the steps that they need to make. And so what are we to expect? Wow. How, How are we to expect a whole generation act when we are coddling and hand-holding them. I mean, I watch my kids play bad soccer some days and get a trophy. And I'm thinking to myself, this is really bad. You guys suck today. Yeah. And they're honest. Yeah, they're like, we were awful today. It and they get exist. their trophy. And you still get the... Everyone gets the participation trophy. Wow. It's like, do you think they didn't they, they didn't know that they didn't part, that they participated? I'm pretty sure they were out on the field. They're sweating their asses off. They are damn well sure they participated. They don't need a trophy to prove it. Oh, so, my God. I, I, and I think that... So we're, we're partly responsible for that. We're, we... As the parents. As, as the, the parents. parents right. As this generation are partly responsible for their nose buried in their phone, their lack of motivation. Everything comes to them so easily. So that generation has to change, but we also have to change. Yeah, kick your kids out. Yeah, kick your kids out. Kick your kids out. That's my advice. (laughs) We're done. Ready, break. You have been amazing. I mean, my God, we could do like a two-hour podcast. Yes, If you can believe it, we've already been an hour. Really? Yeah. Have you, like, lost track of time? Isn't it nuts? It's nuts. This um, was fun. Thank you so much. Oh, my God, Peter Abrams, you're awesome. I you're hope... You're so good. You can you can talk with the best of them. I just hope that you don't see a huge decline in listeners. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Go down to, like, and 200 people. 200 people. By the way, I ha- you know what I love? You'd be, totally aside. 
I love the fact that Caltort supports your show. By the way, we need to do a Caltort commercial right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, Caltort has many, many locations all across the DMV. 27 DC locations, which you can visit, or you can now order online. Caltort on the go and pick it up at one of those locations. Download their app or visit caltort.com to place your order now. No time for lines. Caltort has you covered. And order one of their 25 chef-inspired entrees at caltort.com. You want to add anything? I know your it's kids my, love it. My kids love it. And I'll tell you, first of all, it's a super generous company. I don't know if you're aware of their community generosity, which is really well, phenomenal. Well, they're female-owned, which I love. But they, Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, it's a woman, And Pam. it's a local. Um, yes, local woman. But here's what's also really cool. So at our location, which is in Oakton, Virginia, mm-hmm. they must do something right. Because, you know, it's... I mean, it's ostensibly like any other restaurant, except the people who have been at that restaurant, I think have been there since the beginning when it opened several years ago. Wow. It's clean. The food is awesome. Um, but I just, I love the concept, and I love supporting a local company, and I'm glad they so support I. you. And their food is, I mean, the, who really cares? The food's good. The food is amazing. It is so good. That's what I'm going for dinner today. It's <laughs> decided. We love you. It's done. Peter Abrams, where can people find you, get in contact with you? I know so many people listening are, are going to want to follow you and, of course, be a member of the – subscribe to the magazine. Yeah, well, they, they should – if they want a copy yeah. of the magazine, um, they should call us. A um, couple things. We They can come see us. We're having our wedding first wedding show. We just launched a wedding issue. Yes. February 26th. Hey, am I still on to host? I you hope are. so. It's on Absolutely. My, come see us. Yeah, yep. it's going to be so much fun. Ha- uh, February 26th at the Howard Theater five to eight. It's going to be amazing. A lot of music, good food, little booze. It'll be beautiful. Great gift bags. Um, they can find me at pabrams at modernluxury.com. Okay. A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S. Um, I do have a Twitter account that I post pretty infrequently because um, I'm an old man. Um, Facebook. LinkedIn is the one social media that I use religiously every day. Perfect. Can it. people follow you and get in contact with you there? Anywhere. Yep. Great. Just say that you you heard Peter on the Hey Fresh podcast. Yeah, and read our oh. magazine and, and love the city. There's a lot of great things going on in the city. It's a great, amazing time to be in D.C. I mean, DC. we got to have you back on for all of your favorite things in D.C. and why. I know. There's we a lot going on. Hours. All right. Peter, you were amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much.